You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From March 22nd at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida, the text is John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. As Jesus walked along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. What, I wonder, might God be trying to say to us through this pandemic? And I say this as a fellow traveler seeking a ray of hope, a word of comfort, a word of peace. What might God be trying to do with it? And we look for answers in the middle of something like this when we're all suffering. We're trying to find a reason because we oftentimes believe the lie that everything happens for a reason. So we look for answers and we think there must be some cause, some reason. So we start pointing fingers and casting blame, don't we? Maybe it's the Chinese or maybe it's the government or... Maybe we even blame God. Now, this isn't uh, new to this current situation. This happens, it seems like to me. Every time there's, there's a natural disaster or some terrible thing that happens, some famous televangelist somewhere, and I realize that's what I've become these past two weeks, some famous preacher... Uh, decides to, to cast blame, to point fingers, to say that it's God's judgment. You may remember, um, after Hurricane Katrina, there was a famous preacher who said that Hurricane Katrina was God's judgment on the city of New Orleans for embracing the homosexual lifestyle. You remember that? Or after the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary, there was a preacher who said that that was God's judgment for America and our abortion policy. You remember that? And there's a new one. You want to hear it? There's a preacher who is suggesting that the coronavirus is because of America's, let me remember how he put it, America's transgendering little children. And to all of that, all of it, I say poppycock. 
And there is a stronger word that I'd like to use, but there may be children at home, so let's keep it rated G. We like to cast blame. We like to maybe think that there's a reason for our suffering. And this isn't new to our generation. Jesus dealt with it too. And from his disciples of all people. You may remember in the text that I just read, the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, here's a blind man. Now, they gave him a binary, right? They only gave him two choices. Was he born blind because of his own sin or his parents' sin? And Jesus looked at his disciples and basically said, uh, neither. Jesus basically said, not everything happens for a reason. But they wanted to cast blame. They wanted to say it was either his fault because of his own sin or the sin of his parents. But Jesus said it wasn't his fault. It wasn't his parents' sin or his grandparents' sin or his great-grandparents' sin or Adam and Eve's original sin. See, not everything happens for a reason. But we do this. We like to cast blame. It was his sin or his parents because there has to be some rhyme or reason for the suffering. So we, we point fingers, and you know what that is, right? It's our defense mechanism. It's a way to uh, mitigate the anxiety we feel when we experience or notice human suffering. We point away from ourselves so that we don't have to feel the Anxiety, we push it somewhere else. And there's another response that we sometimes do to mitigate our anxiety in the midst of human suffering. If we're not casting blame, maybe we're, we're doing everything in our power to fix the situation. So we, um, so we go to the store and we buy all the toilet paper and all the hand sanitizer and all the Lysol spray. Or maybe we call up our stockbroker and say, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Or maybe we think it's a really good time to put all that money in gold. This fix-it is my go-to response when I'm feeling anxious. I, I become um, uh, over, I overcompensate for the anxiety. This past week, I was out of town for a few days. Um, we decided we could go on this trip and still be socially distant as my family and I were camping. This was our spring break plan all along. And we figured we'd be safe and keep other people safe as we were out in the woods. And so we did that. And even at the, the campsite where you might think, you know, the church, we're not gathering together. Our programs have been halted. You might think I would just relax and read a couple of novels there in the campground. No. You can ask my husband. I had my laptop. I had my cell phone. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom, boom. Fix it, right? I can fix it. Surely, surely. It's a defense mechanism so that I don't have to sit with the anxiety and with the suffering. So we say, who is to blame, Jesus and Jesus matter-of-factly says, no one. And we say, how do we fix it, Jesus? And Jesus matter-of-factly says, you can't. Not everything happens for a reason. But let's look if there's some hope 
in the text that I read, Jesus responded to the disciples, offering them some glimmer of hope. So the disciples said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. You see, not everything happens for a reason, but God can redeem everything that happens. Richard Rohr, who, um, if you listen to me, you'll hear me quote Rohr pretty often. I love his wisdom. He had this to say just a couple of days ago in his daily, uh, daily blog. Father Rohrer writes this, We are in the midst of a highly teachable moment. There's no doubt that this period will be referred to for the rest of our lifetimes. We have a chance to go deep and to go broad. Globally, we're in this together. Depth is being forced on us by great suffering, which, as I like to say, always leads to great love. For God to reach us, we have to allow suffering to wound us. Now is no time for an academic solidarity with the world. Real solidarity needs to be felt and suffered. And that's the real meaning of the word suffer, to allow someone else's pain to influence us in a real way. So we need to move beyond our own personal feelings and take in the whole And this, I must say, is one of the gifts of television. We can turn it on and see how people in countries other than our own are hurting. What is going to happen to those living in isolated places or for those who don't have health care? Imagine the fragility of the most marginalized, of people in prisons, the homeless, or even the people performing necessary services, such as ambulance drivers, nurses, and doctors, risking their lives to keep society together. Our feelings of urgency and devastation are not exaggeration. They are responding to the real human situation. We're not pushing the panic button. We are the panic button. And we have to allow these feelings and invite God's presence to hold and sustain us in a time of collective prayer and lament. So Father Roar is right And that now is the time to let ourselves feel and be held by the presence of God. Then we must let go of those defense mechanisms that cause us to to point and blame, that cause us to try to overcompensate and overfunction. We have to let go of those and sit with our feelings of anxiety to notice them. To observe them. So I'm going to ask the question again. What might God be trying to teach us through this pandemic? What scales need to fall from our eyes so that we might not see anew, but for the first time ever? Maybe we're learning that Instead of being invincible, 
that we are vincible. Or maybe we're learning that instead of being independent, we are interdependent. And maybe we're learning that in order to save the world, it's not through motion, but through stillness. There is a hidden grace in this, underneath the surface. And it's this, that maybe we can see again for the first time, that maybe we can learn and grow and be transformed to be more like who God wants us to be. Anne Lamott says it this way. She says, I do not understand the mystery of grace, only that it meets us where we are, but it does not leave us where it found us. So Chapel by the Sea, my prayer is this, that we could find the hidden grace that the scales could fall from our eyes, that we could see anew, that we could learn the deep truths that God is trying to teach us. Will you pray with me? Jesus, come to us in your holy alchemy. Combine human spittle and earthly sod into the mystical salve that can help us see, not just in new or sharper ways, but for the first time ever. And in our seeing, transform our being. And in our being, transform our thinking. And in our thinking, transform our caring. And in our caring, transform our doing. O Lord Jesus Christ, Redeem this suffering. Grant us hope for a brighter day. And in the meantime, if it's not too much, empower us simply to be. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.